Welcome to the JMD Podcast, a fortnightly podcast covering the length and breadth of all things metabolic. So if you're unsure about your ear cycle disorders, confused by CDG, or all in a pickle about organic acids, then we've got your back. There are over 80 full episodes and a further 25 or more shortcasts, so be sure to take a look at our past episodes, but not before listening to this latest one on oligosaccharide excretion in lysosomal storage disorders. Hello there. So after an excess of organic acidemias and a pair of CDG podcasts, it's nice to come back to lysosomal storage disorders, a bit like catching up with a long forgotten friend. And in today's podcast, I'm delighted to host Dr. Mane Hachemeyer of the Centre for Lysosomal and Metabolic Diseases in Rotterdam to discuss their work, Analysis of Urinary Oligosaccharide Excretion Patterns by UHPLC HRAM Mass Spectrometry for Screening of Lysosomal Storage Disorders. Mane, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. So as I said, it's been a while since we've spoken about lysosomal storage disorders on the podcast, and your work is on the oligosaccharidoses. What characterizes this particular group of LSDs? Yeah, so oligosaccharidoses are lysosomal storage disorders, right? And in this kind of disorders, there are enzymes that are not functioning properly, and these enzymes are responsible for the breakdown of these oligosaccharide side chains, which are pressed on glycoproteins and glycolipids. And when the breakdown of these side chains goes wrong, then you have these storage products uh, of aberrant oligosaccharides, which eventually can cause disease in, uh, in patients. So it's pretty uh, important to diagnose these uh, pretty quickly. Um, the oligosaccharidoses as a group, right, they share common clinical features, for example, learning difficulties and coarse facial features, but also depending on the disease, there are some uh, disease-specific clinical manifestations. So it's, it's quite a broad spectrum. Um, so your work focuses obviously on screening for these disorders. What's the most common approach to screening currently? Yeah, so currently the most common uh, screening method to detect oligosaccharidosis is one-dimensional thin-layer chromatography. And the way it works is that urine is applied on a silica gel plate. And then following chromatography, you can see the specific oligosaccharide bands on the silica gel plates, which you have to interpret. So it's really pattern recognition of these oligosaccharide bands which has some limitations. It's quite difficult. Uh, sometimes the resolution of the assay is limited and uh, it's also prone to uh, age and drug and nutrition induced artifacts. And I heard from my colleagues because I actually haven't performed these assays myself, but I heard that you need a lot of experience to actually interpret these difficult patterns correctly. And so what is it that your group's doing differently? So what we're doing differently is that we, we actually don't use these TLC plates anymore. We actually use a mass spectrometry now to investigate for specific biomarkers, which are specific for different oligosaccharidoses. And we just don't use the, the TLC approach anymore. And this is obviously a test on urine as opposed to sort of the white cell enzyme testing we see in LSDs. Yeah, so if the, the enzymes are malfunctioning, right, these oligosaccharides, they accumulate, but they are excreted uh, via the urine. So you can actually use the urine to screen for these diseases. It's obviously much simpler for the child. So what we know about mass spectrometry is it generates these colossal amounts of information. You integrated bioinformatics into your pathway to help interpret that. So how did that work? Yeah, so that's a very good question because indeed, like the mass spectrometry approaches, they generate lots of data, right? And it's quite difficult to interpret this correctly. So, so in our laboratory, we actually developed this bioinformatics pipeline in which we actually can uh, really easily process the data and uh, perform quality control very easily and uh, also visualize the data very properly. So basically what we do is 
when we start a, an analysis, we, we load a so-called batch file. And in this batch file, we uh, have the data from patient samples and positive control samples, right? And then first, there's a pre-processing step in which we normalize all the concentrations of the biomarkers that we measured to creatinine. And then we couple them to H and then we calculate the Z-scores. And um, the Z-scores can actually be calculated in two ways either in an age-dependent way, depending on the amount of data that we have, or uh, in a fixed approach. But before we then finally generate uh, our final Z-score plus, we have this extensive quality control uh, process, which, as the name says, makes sure that the quality of the assay is, is correct. And if all the quality control parameters have passed, then the pipeline generates a Z-score plot. And this the Z-score plot is a very nice way to actually visualize all these different biomarkers that we analyze for the specific uh, oligosaccharidosis. So it's basically a plot with on the y-axis all our biomarkers, and they are disease-specific. And then we basically plot the Z-scores on the x-axis, but on the background, we also have these patient-specific values. So we can really easily interpret whether or not we might have uh, diagnosed a patient with an oligosaccharidosis. So it's basically the whole visualization of the data. It's really easy in contrast to these TLC plates, which were actually quite hard and difficult to interpret. This is like really easy graphical uh, overview of the results. Um, I'm heavily in favor of anything that makes life simpler. I mean, specifically, which diagnoses does this enable you to make? Yeah, so we can actually diagnose, well, lots of lysosomal storage disorders in which oligosaccharides accumulate, right? So it's not only the oligosaccharidosis, but also, for example, the sphingolipidosis or the mucolipidosis. And the good thing is that the way that we actually generate this bioinformatics pipeline is that you can always easily add novel biomarkers when they are discovered in research. And the good thing about our approach that we use is that we actually use uh, this HRAM system in which we perform a full-spectrum analysis so that means that we got all the data and if in the future novel biomarkers are discovered, we can actually go back into the data to see whether or not we can also detect them. So it's quite nice. Yeah. It's a bit like how people are revisiting genetic data um, as new, new genes and techniques become available. Mm-hmm. And one of the curious things, I said this wasn't a podcast about congenital disorders of glycosylation, but you were able to detect N-Gly1, a congenital disorder of D-glycosylation. Was that something you expected? Uh Actually, yes, we did expect it, but it's always nice if XD works right. So because we know from literature that these aspartylglucosaminuria uh, biomarkers that we included in our screening platform, that they are actually elevated in patients with NGLI1 deficiency. So fortunately, we had urine samples of these patients and we measured them and then we could actually see that indeed these biomarkers that we expected to be elevated were actually elevated. So, so we were quite uh, happy with that result. I mean, you've talked about it being a, a very easy to read approach with the, the clear graphical representation of, of whether or not it looks like someone's got a certain disease. I mean, that sounds simpler than, than the TLC approach. Can we call it TLC? It sounds like tender loving care, <laughs> um, but it sounds better than the, the conventional approach. I mean, is it better or just prettier? And, and if it is better, how readily can it be adopted elsewhere? So again, to be honest, I've never performed the, the TLC experiments myself, right? Um, but I do think it's better. And if I can make an anecdotal comment on this, um, colleagues of mine that said that they never wanted to uh, interpret TLC patterns are happily to look at, at our Z-score plots now. So I really do think it's a, it's a much easier uh, way to get the results. And the artifacts that are present, right, in the TLC uh, approach, they are not as prominent in our essay. So it's, it's much more easier to interpret our results. 
And in terms of sensitivity and specificity, how does your test shape up? So the sensitivity of our assay is 100%, right? Because until now, we, we screened for, I think, almost 2,300 analyses or something. And we never, as far as we know, we never had any false negative results. So that means that the sensitivity is 100%. And specificity-wise, it's around 97%. So I think that's pretty good. And and just coming back to whether this could happen elsewhere, I think in the Netherlands, testing is quite centralized, or certainly screening tests are quite centralized. But could other laboratories easily do what you're doing? Yeah, I do think so, because we actually make use of this high-end machine, right? This high-resolution mass spectrometer. But the nice thing about our approach, about our bioinformatics approach, is that you can actually adopt this pipeline that we generated to your own specific mass spectrometry setup. We actually made this pipeline available. People can download it from GitHub. And if they then present the data that they acquire on their own machines in a specific format, which we describe on the GitHub, then you can actually use our pipeline and you get the exact same kind of plots as we get. So in that sense, it's easy to adopt to your own system. Well, that's fabulous. And where do people go and find this link to the the GitHub? Is that within the paper? Yeah, the link uh, for the GitHub is within the paper. And it's also on the website, I believe. Yeah. Perfect. Well, there's never been a better reason to go and check out a paper after a podcast then. Certainly. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else you wanted to add? I'm really happy that you gave us the opportunity to actually uh, talk a little bit about our paper because we're really excited. We actually presented this paper also at SSIM in Freiburg last year, and uh, other people were also uh, very excited. So I'm pretty happy that you gave us the opportunity to actually uh, elaborate a little bit more on this novel approach. Well, it's wonderful to hear about. I'm glad that it's out there. It sounds like it's wonderful that people can adopt it so easily. If people would like to read the paper and find that link, then please click the link in our podcast description, or you can go to the journal web pages and search for urinary oligosaccharide excretion patterns via mass spectrometry. Uh, Mane, Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you very much, James. And thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.